The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. I always say it, and I always mean it because it's true. So, what's the buzz today? Well, I'm not going to sing it, but I have a line from a 1965 Beatles classic. I'll just say it. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. You all know the rest of the lyrics. So, what are we talking about here? These are exciting times for businesses. Enterprises are seeing a huge change, a sea change, if you will, in technology. They're looking at augmented reality, at artificial intelligence, AI, at the Internet of Things, IoT. But not every enterprise is ready and positioned and agile and flexible enough to embrace these new technologies that they really need to incorporate into how they do business. So how do they do it? What do they do? You can't just hide behind a rock. You need to have some help. Hence the Beatles quote. And we say call on startups that are already leaders in these market segments. So, of course, we're going to be speaking with two startups today and somebody as well from SAP Startup Focus. So let me tell you who's on the panel and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. First up in a moment, I will be welcoming Clive Pearson, the founder of Qualex, Q-U-A-L-E-X. And in a few minutes, I'll invite Clive to tell us a little bit about his company. Joining him on the panel today is Satish Gajaraju the CTO at Sensify, S-E-N-S-I-F-Y. And we'll also ask Satish to tell us a little bit about his company. And rounding out the panel is Dave Katona, who was on the first episode of this season of Startup Focus with Game Changers. Dave is the Director of Market Enablement at SAP Startup Focus. So let me circle around the table back to our opening panelist. It's Clive Pearson at Qualex. Clive has sent me an interesting quote from Rob Neyer, N-E-Y-E-R. I've never heard of Rob, but let me tell you about him. He's a baseball writer, best known for his use of statistical analytics or, and this is a new term to me, Saber Metrics, S-A-B-E-R Metrics. Interesting. He started his career working for Bill James and Stats. Then he joined ESPN as a columnist until 2011. He was a national baseball editor for SB Nation until 2014. And most interesting to me, he has six books, either the author or co-author, including Baseball Dynasties with Eddie Epstein, Feeding the Green Monster, ooh, Rob Nayer's Big Book of Baseball Lineups, and on and on. So here is the quote that Clive has selected from Rob Nayer. Quote, in business, as in baseball, The question isn't whether or not you'll jump into analytics. The question is when do you want to ride the analytics horse to profitability or follow it with a shovel? Well, that's a provocative quote. Clive Pearson, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? 
Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. Love the quote, and thanks for introducing me and I think a lot of our listeners to Rob Nayer. So, number one, are you a baseball fan? And number two, tell me about how the quote applies to our topic today, please. I enjoy baseball, as I'd say most Americans do. Um, with regards to the quote, though, it, it sort of, you know, holds true if you look at, if you think of the movie um, Moneyball, right? But the reality mm-hmm. is, for statistics and analytics, if you're analyzing, as, as he did in the movie, trying to come up with the right combination of players with a certain salary cap, right? So you have to come within budget of, of it and put the right people together with the talents and skills they, they had to really put the winning team together. So that's one aspect of it. But then for us, the reality is in any business, we find ourselves looking at uh, analytics, and that's really the, the focus of, of what uh, Qualex is all about. But the reality for me was, as true it is for baseball, it's pretty much every, every business has that opportunity to use analytics to their advantage, whether it's fielding the players on or understanding the fans. Um, from a marketing perspective, it's, it's definitely uh, an exciting opportunity for us to, to be faced with all this analytical data and, and value that we can give to customers. But uh, certainly, uh, for me, it was more that it holds true for pretty much every industry, not just sports. Thank you very much, Clyde. Very insightful. And, and I'm interested in knowing, do you agree with my comment in the opening that when an enterprise is overwhelmed or boggled or just plain not ready to shift and to say, what? All this new stuff coming down the pike? We got to get up and do something about it. Is it time to call on a startup like Qualex and like, like Sensify? Is that the best route to go? I would say absolutely from our from my side of the table, right? Um I think the biggest question I would have for companies is, you know, what is it they want to do? Because you have to know where you want to be to really determine how the analytics can can drive to that end goal, right? That, that's, that's the bigger objective. Um, every business is competing for business, and how you want to distinguish yourself in the marketplace is going to be often different than your competitor. But, um, you know, considering that's what we do, we certainly feel that that's the right place for companies to look to us to help facilitate that for them. Thank you very much, Clive. It's a pleasure to have you. Where are you calling from today, by the way? Just wondering. We're Yes, I'm in Miami, North Miami. Oh. Um, I have a nice view of Biscayne Bay from my office. Very nice. I'm glad. I assume it's a little warmer down there than it is up here in New York. When I went to vote this morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, it was about 45 degrees. That's what we call brisk and delightful. So are the trees turning down there, by the way, Clive? Are the tre- do the trees change color or is it green all the time? Remind no, me. I haven't been there. it's pretty much green. Yeah, they do change a little, but it's pretty much green. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time out. Looking forward to a lot more from you on the show. And now let me welcome our second panelist, Satish Raju, CTO at Sensify. And Satish has sent me a quote from the 2006 James Bond film Casino Royale. If anybody is wondering, Casino Royale is the 21st film in the Eon Productions James Bond film series and the first to star Daniel Craig as the fictional M16 agent James Bond. It's also the third screen adaptation of Ian Fleming's 1953 novel of the name Casino Royale. I'm going to read you a quote. And by the way, this movie dialed it back into the starting of Bond's career as Agent 007. Interestingly enough, this one earned almost $600 million worldwide in movie grosses, becoming the highest grossing 
James Bond film until Skyfall topped it in 2012, just four years ago. So I'm going to read you a little bit of dialogue here from Casino Royale. Bond is not in this dialogue. The character named Obano says, Do you believe in God, Mr. Le Chiffre? And Le Chiffre responds, No, I believe in a reasonable rate of return. Satish, I bet you're a big James Bond fan. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I'm very well, and thank you for asking. So talk to me. I, I think I saw Casino Royale. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of them. Uh, and the actor who played Le Chiffre is Mads Mikkelsen, and the actor who played Stephen Obano is Isaac de Bancolet. So tell me why you picked this interesting little snippet of dialogue, and how does it relate to our topic today, Satish? Well, um, uh, for all businesses and probably for all of us, it's all about a reasonable rate of return in whatever we do. We're not going to be spending money or buying stuff unless uh, we we find that there's some kind of a return in it for us, either in terms of enjoying the product we buy or getting some kind of a reasonable rate of return. Now, coming to businesses, uh, you know, with the proliferation of IoT sensors or devices, as you may call, we've started to track everything and anything that's around us. But finally, the question is, you know, do we have to track all of these things? And finally, what is my rate of return on it? Is it worth tracking at all? That, that's, that's basically, uh, it just boils down to that. Finally, the bean counter is going to stand up and ask, what did I get for it? And uh, that's why this quote, uh, I think, is very uh, interesting for any business. Now, they want to track anything and everything around it, but is it worth tracking and trying to figure out uh, the wants versus needs for a business? That's why I came out with this quote. And, you know, uh, yes, I'm a big Bond fan. And uh, a little bit about Sensify, we Mm -hmm. actually provide IoT solutions to actually track and trace inventory and fixed assets within a warehouse or, you know, anywhere in the world around the globe. In fact, right now we are even tracking inventory across the Silk Route all the way from China to Germany and uh, giving real-time updates about in-transit cargo. So that's a little little bit about what Sensify does. Uh, We've been around since 2003. We were rebranded into 2014 as Sensify, but uh, we've got clients in the manufacturing, distribution, and hospitality uh, verticals. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And Clive, we will find out about Qualex in just a minute. I'll come back to you, so not to worry. And now I'd like to welcome Dave Catone. As I said, Dave was on the opening opening episode of this series. By the way, this series started with us back in 2013-2014. And shout out to Manju Banzal and now Christina Sosa at SAP Startup Focus for coming back with these great topics and very interesting panelists. So Dave Catone is back with us. And Dave sent me a quote from Steve Jobs, a little bit of back here. I don't even know if Dave knows this. Stephen Paul Steve Jobs, 1955, regrettably left us on October 5th, 2011. I know that date by heart, Dave, because that's the day we started Game Changers Radio, October 5th, 2011, the day that Steve Jobs passed away. But Steve Jobs, interestingly enough, dated Joan Baez, who had a prior relationship with Bob Dylan, and Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak bonded over their mutual fascination with Jobs' musical idol, Bob Dylan. And they actually collected bootleg reel-to-reel tapes of Bob Dylan's concerts. And here we are, fast forward 2016, and Bob Dylan, I think, has come out of hiding and is accepting a Nobel Prize, which is just amazing. So here is the quote out of many, many options. This is the one Dave has picked from Steve Jobs. Quote, sometimes when you innovate, you make mistakes. It is best to admit them quickly and get on with improving your other innovations. So there, Dave, how have you been? 
Just fine, Bonnie. It's great to hear your voice again and uh, speak with you. How kind of you. Did you know that he dated Joan Baez and that he was a big fan of Dylan and she had been going out with Dylan before? Were you aware of that, I, I was never aware of that, that he actually <laughs> dated Joan Baez. That, that's, that's a new one, and um, it, it's, it's quite interesting. And the bootleg reel-to-reels, boy, that sets us all back years and years. I have a feeling that Satish and Clive are way too young to remember the reel-to-reel days, but I sort of heard about it, you know. I won't admit that I was there. So tell me about the quote, Dave. Very interesting quote. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and, and with a, uh, a couple of points. One is uh, I'm actually truly a Silicon Valley brat. I actually literally grew up in the shadow of Apple headquarters. I mm. actually uh, was raised in Cupertino and went to Cupertino High School down the street from Apple headquarters. And uh, uh, I, in looking at this quote, uh, given, and I, I won't go into politics, but given uh, the election, but also uh, in having some discussions with some of my sort of focus partners uh, lately, this really gets down to, uh, there are so many quotes to pick from from Steve Jobs, but I, I thought this was appropriate for some of the discussions I've had with some of my startup focus partners recently, where a lot of our uh, mutual customers um, really have focused on uh, doing some innovation, and, and Clive had mentioned a, a little bit about this earlier, where folks uh, look at this uh, uh, solving these business problems in a lot of different ways, and really driving to innovate uh, internally and in different ways, as soon as you can, you know, drive for innovation faster, when you do make those mistakes, mm-hmm. admit them quickly and then drive to improving on those innovations. And that's really across the board. And I look at uh, our friends at Samsung with their, uh, we'll call it a, a <laughs> cell phone incident, uh, I look at mm-hmm. uh, other innovations, and I've, I've worked with and worked for many startups that if you cannot identify where those issues or mistakes are and get past them and just push on, you'll never get ahead in innovation. And that, that's one of the things that I look at every day across the board. Dave, is this the philosophy we often talk about on some of our other shows about innovating innovation with game changers and design thinking? We talk about it as fail fast, fail often. Is that the same thing? Yes, and continue to you know try to fly after that. Okay. You got That's it. That's what we want to do. Thank you very much. Good and good to have you on. You don't mind if I tweet Dave Katona says he is a Silicon Valley brat raised in Cupertino. Is that okay with you? Because I'm about to hit the uh, post button. Is that okay? Go ahead. <laughs> you're too kind. Let's circle around the table. Clive Pearson, before I ask you, we already know you're in Miami, uh, before I ask you what you're drinking, because this is the portion of the show called What's in Your Cup Today, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, Qualix? Just give us the, the, the 60 or 120-second elevator pitch. What do you do? We are a software consulting company focused on predictive analytics. So we build the warehouse of information, and then the models that that sit on top of that and do the predictive analytics. And we pretty much service pretty much all the industries out there. We're in finance, healthcare, oil and gas, uh, casinos, sports and entertainment. So that's a high-level perspective of what we do without getting into the weeds. 
Thank you very much. We do stay out of the weeds here, but nice to know. Why don't you tell us what you're drinking today right now, Clive, while you're on the radio live with us, or what you plan to drink later to celebrate whatever you're celebrating. And I'll leave that one open-ended. Go ahead, Clive. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll stick with what I have on my table here while, while we're doing the call. So I've got um, a little coffee or a lot of coffee. I've got uh, a cappuccino with two shots of espresso in it. I have a cup of water. And I have a drink which was supposed to be a V8, but it is not. What it is is a concoction of something which smells a lot like somebody cut the grass, maybe some ginger, <laughs> a whole bunch of other things in there. But it, it did not turn out to be the V8 that I was hoping for. But that's, that's what I'm having while we have our coffee break here. <clears throat> Sounds like it came out of the garden. Maybe they did cut the grass into it. It definitely it. smells like it did. Oh, my goodness. I, I sometimes, Clive, ask my, my panelists, some of them like to have a green drink in the morning, you know, one of those things they blend with kale and vegetables and this juice and that juice, and they feel healthy, but they say it really looks and smells rather not not pleasant, not appealing, but they, they put a little clip on their nose and they drink it anyway. So maybe uh, too much garden in your drink. But thank you very much, Clive. Satish, where are you calling from and what are you drinking right now or are planning to drink later to celebrate? Well, I'm having a large cup of coffee with, uh, to overcome the jet lag. I'm currently calling from Spain, uh, a city called Cordoba, a little south of uh, Madrid. I flew in last night from Los Angeles. I'm trying to overcome the jet lag. So it's a large cup of coffee and a bottle of water right next to me here. Okay, and anything special about the coffee? Is the coffee there? Cordoba. I re- by the way, they used to have a model of a car. It was a, a combination of a Passenger car, Dave Catona may remember these, and passenger car with a, a flatbed in the back, I think, and a lot of people put a canvas cover over it. No, 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 no. Cordoba was a luxury car. I am sorry. It was a beautiful luxury car because I used to have a friend who had one. I'm thinking of something else. Uh, do you remember the Cordoba, Satish, or, or Dave? Do you remember the Cordoba? I believe Actually, uh, Fiat makes a car uh, that's currently being sold. It's called Cordoba as well. Fiat usually names most of their models after city names in Spain. So there's a, there's a car called Cordoba, actually, our model, a Fiat model. Yes. yes, thank you very much. So, you're, anything, as I was saying, anything special about your coffee? Anything, uh, anything special? I asked them to make it as strong as it can be. You know, I don't drink it black, <laughs> but yes, I, I had to get a strong cup of coffee to keep myself awake. I've been uh, awake we- since early morning to overcome the jet lag, and I needed some caffeine. We appreciate that very much. I don't know if you've ever heard the term high test. We That's how we used to order our gasoline at the gas pump before self-service gas yeah. stations here in the U.S. And when I think of coffee straight up and as dark as can be, I say I like my coffee high test. Thank you very much. And Dave Katona, where are you today and what are you drinking? I am in Palo Alto, California today. And uh, I've graduated from a half-calf Keurig cup of coffee to uh, nothing uh, as exotic as uh, what was mentioned earlier, but uh, nothing other than an ice cold diet coke. Hmm, that sounds like that'll keep Convenient you awake. And refreshing. <laughs> yes, 
Is there anything better than convenient and refreshing? Honestly, uh, Dave Katona knows, I think you remember, and Clive and Satish, to both of you, they do not allow me to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. So all I have is a cup of cool, clear water, and I have an orange straw because I'm celebrating fall. The leaves are turning, and it's magnificent here on Long Island in New York. Golds and reds and oranges, and it's just beautiful. On my way to vote, I vote in a poll about two blocks here from my home. I took pictures of the trees and the American flags hanging out on various street poles down the block and the trees are just gorgeous so I'm celebrating with an orange straw I'll have caffeine later though not to worry I have to stay awake late tonight to watch the returns so we're talking about the startup mindset that's been our theme this season our continuing theme and this part of the series is focusing today on redefining enterprise software What happens when an established company that doesn't have that agility to turn on a dime and and innovate and bring new things in, what happens when they need, they look at the reality and they say, oh my goodness, so much new tech out there, we just can't figure it all out, we can't adopt it, what do we do? Well, smart startups are around and they are available and more than willing to do business with you and help you figure it out. And that's why we're talking today with Clive Pearson, the founder of Qualex, and Satish Gajaraju, the CTO at Sensify as well as Dave Katona, Director of Market Enablement at SAP Startup Focus. And again, a shout-out to Christina Sosa for putting together this wonderful show. Christina, you've really been knocking it out of the park, hitting it out of the park. No Rob Nyer thoughts there. And uh, Manju Banzal at SAP. And the good news is that this Startup Focus series has a few more weeks to go, and they are renewing for 2017. So we're going to bring you 10 more episodes of the course of next year spread out on meeting a lot of interesting startups and finding out what's going on in the world of the brave entrepreneurs who are tackling data and all kinds of technology. So I want to do a shout out to everybody who's listening. Thank you so much. And I'm going to say Clive, Satish, and Dave, stick around to our listeners. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We will be right back. Michael out. Welcome to In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit W www.sap.com With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back talking about the role of startups in helping to redefine enterprise software. Special panelists today are Clive Pearson at Qualex, Satish Gajaraju at Sensify, and Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus. And let's get started with our roundtable. I'm looking at notes that Clive Pearson has sent me before the show. And Clive, here's where I think we're going to start. You make a very bold statement here. You say predictive analytics is not a new technology. It is decades old. It's proven. It encompasses statistics, data mining. So how does this play out on our topic today, Clive, about enterprises cannot pivot with new technology where startups come in? Go ahead, Clive. From a... Predictive analytics perspective, you know, I, I think that this is what we've been doing since I've been consulting for over 25 years now. So the, the perception here that analytics is relatively new is certainly not the case. Uh, when we look at basically any business decision that's been made or being made is, is being made on some sense of predicting. Um, but I think what we see now is the proliferation of the data that's coming in to make those predictions more accurate and real, and businesses mm-hmm. recognizing the need to be able to do that, to either predict the behavior of a customer, predict the failure of a part on a well to prevent it from failing. Um, you see this intense data volume coming in from this Internet of Things as well that basically it provides sensory data um, that's basically connected so you can really have a, a predictive model that's running in real time now. But the sense of, of predicting and the sense of analytics is really something that's, that's pretty much been there from the beginning. So I don't think there's anything revolutionary with that concept, but what's revolutionary is how it's being implemented for businesses today. That would be my main, my main uh, point about analytics. But I think it's becoming really much more mainstream today and, and accepting of industries, basically. Um, Clive, is this something that enterprises are struggling with, or are they all on board? Where where do startups come in on this uh, adopting and adapting? Well, I would say that they're 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 on board in the sense that they recognize the need for it, right? But I think when we look at what Qualex is able to do, we've been building the data warehouses that facilitate the predictive analytics and the analytics um, that reside on top of those, right? So, companies that are looking to to basically drive their business from the analytic perspective, that's where the, the startups like Qualix would be able to come in and put the right data models in place that facilitate the aggregation of the data and the, the data that's providing the attributes that really drive the models. Um, Okay, thank you very much. Good, and I like the provocativeness of where we ended that. So, Satish Gajaraju with Sensify, why don't you join us? Thoughts, agree or disagree with Clive? No, I totally agree with Clive's predictive analytics has been around for ages, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. Even uh, ERPs use it to, you know, do resources planning, either from projecting what's the material required and such. However, one thing that's new in uh, predictive analytics uh, is uh, what's called a semantic analysis, uh, which they do. Um, you know, for example, I might tweet or uh, post on my Facebook. I love it when my airlines loses my bag. You can replace the airline's name with whatever is your favorite airline. And it has <laughs> to be, uh, they try to interpret it as a sarcastic comment. 
So it's like a negative thing and things like that. Uh, but uh, other than that, yes, uh, predictive analytics is used to, uh, you know, predict maintenance schedules, predict, uh, you know, uh, what is the load or a capacity based on the demand and uh, do some scheduling. So I totally agree with them. And yes, that uh, Sensify, we, we have IoT solutions and all of all the things that IoT does is only generate more and more data. We keep putting sensors on it and we collect data by the minute, by the second, by the microsecond, and all of it is uh, generating more and more data. And all of that is uh, useless unless it can be analyzed well and created and uh, presented with a good data model and you know visualized better for the user. If I'm just throwing out a bunch of reports that look like large Excel spreadsheets, it's, it's never going to help. And yes, all the enterprises have come on board trying to uh, understand uh, the need of need for it. But I think most of the startups are actually helping them bring it to smaller, for, you know, uh, most of those real estate devices like your smartphone or uh, tablet mm-hmm. and uh, present it in a very rich uh, user interface. Thank you, Satish. Dave Katona, why don't you join us? Thoughts? Yeah, in in. This really gets down to you're talking to about two folks that are looking at this in two different ways. But there's really, you know, what I would call there's this balance in the enterprise market, which is tilting and what was perceived as really once only the core of enterprise business processes, which were really locked down, are really starting to be wrapped with. Uh, what I call agile uh, reactions to trends and these things like uh, predictive analytics um, and trends with big data are really starting to what I call extend the capabilities and create better agility in businesses. And yes, these capabilities have been around for quite a long time. But it's now what I call the it's it's being able to leverage what I call the big brain factor. Uh, You know, people call it big data, but it's being able to leverage that technology and create that big brain to help with whether it's predictive analytics or more agile, faster business decisions that are really driving transformation. Uh, of businesses, uh, it, regardless of whether you're looking at logistics and transportation, or you're looking at a lot of what Clive's business, you know, focuses on, on whether it's gaming, you know, oil and gas, healthcare, whatever pieces of business that is, um, all the way down to social listening. Each one of those requires that big data, predictive analytics uh, element to it. But it's I, I see a huge, you know. Uh, transformation in the marketplace going on today in every business that we touch from an SAP perspective. Thank you, Dave Katona. Clive Pearson, I'm going to circle around to you. Any thoughts on what your co-panelists have shared on your topic, Clive? I would just have to agree with them um, very cordially. Um, certainly mm-hmm. would, would uh, ditto a lot of what they said. So we're all in sync on this one. Thank you very much. That's not a bad thing at all. And let me go to Satish Kajaraju at Sensify. Let me look at some of your notes. You have a lot of interesting things here, Satish, but there's something way down in the bottom of your notes that is intriguing to me. You say it's important for businesses to prioritize 
what they need versus what they want. And I know your focus is on Internet of Things and tracking. So why don't you expand this for us in the context of our conversation? Where do startups come in on what does a business need? What does a business want? How do you reconcile or how do you balance? What's what's the deal? So, um, you know, it's all about uh, what, balancing what we need versus what we want. Um, with, like I said earlier, uh, with the proliferation of sensors, they try to track everything and anything. And with the storage cost going down, we keep uh, any amount of data stored. And with the vast amount of processing capability, uh, just like big data and Hadoop and such, we tend to process all of this data. We can process all of this data. But again, do we want to track all of this data is a question. For example, BP is storing uh, terabytes worth of data every minute from their oil wells because in case of another explosion, they might need to analyze it. But given this, are we over-tracking everything, resulting in, in an overload of information? Are we trying to uh, you know, uh, shove a pipe down the throat of our users with so much of data that they just ignore it, ignore the important parts? That is something that every business has to focus on. And if you look at most of the startups, they try to focus on one small problem and figure out a good way to provide a solution. It could be a smartphone app. It could be just a widget that stays on your phone or on your desktop and gives the right information to the right people at the right time. So that's that's the priority. That's what all the businesses have to figure out. You know, what, what do I need and what does this specific user need in order to, you know, make me run this business more efficiently? So that was the, that was the idea behind uh, that uh, statement I made, you know, prioritizing what a business needs versus what it wants. And of course, it also comes down to to uh, the investment somebody is going to make on it and are they getting a reasonable rate of return out of that investment. Mm-hmm. Going back to one of our original opening quotes. Satish, question before I bring Dave and Clive into this part of the conversation. Question is, what's the role of the startup in helping businesses make that prioritization? For example, where does your company come in into that balancing act, if you will? So we have... Uh, different kinds of sensors that can be put on various things, but we have specific uh, solutions that solve certain problems. For example, you want to figure out where, where your inventory is in the sea, we have a specific solution for that, and it's focused on a specific vertical, so you don't have to uh, subscribe to everything that we offer in our solution. Just pick the ones that you want and uh, just focus on that, make that small investment, and solve your low-hanging fruit efficiently. That's where we come in. Thank you very much. Dave Katona, thoughts about prioritizing? All that good stuff coming in, all that data flooding in, volume and velocity, all those good Vs we used to talk about. So what's your, your thought on prioritizing? How important is it? Yeah, it, it gets down to really uh, being able to ask, and, and this gets down to the fundamentals uh, from the business, which is why. Um, and what's the value? And uh, it, it, at the start of this, uh, really getting down to that quote of rate of return. Um, mm-hmm. And and what, what, at the end of the day, what is the business value of this? Because uh, we've got big data. We've got you know what I call the the, the technical big brain, um, which is either uh, collecting uh, or processing or predicting. Um, uh, you know what's running analytics on all of this data and it gets down to what is that business value at the end of the day what it, whether it's increasing efficiency of a business process or allowing me to basically reduce costs 
or increase upside, what is the business impact of doing these things? And uh, I've seen a lot of people, and this gets down to the, the, you know, driving innovation just for innovation's sake, at the end of the day, doesn't necessarily equate to business value. And this is where some of the fundamentals that I've, I've seen companies go down is like, we need an IoT strategy. We need to do predictive analytics. Well, at the end of the day, ask yourselves why. And that, that's, that's really at the end of the day I, what I've seen time and time again. Um, I think companies are smarter now um, where they're starting to do some more analysis, but it also gets down to some of the fundamentals of how do they go about this and how quickly can they get to that uh, end result of providing that value? And that's where, like, within Startup Focus, we tend to focus on partners that can, in fact, drive that business value faster than traditional methods and what I call the traditional partners um, that companies would typically look to. And that's, uh, to me, that's what it's all about, is about that velocity of getting that value out of that solution and out of that um, technology. That's, to me, the, the most important thing in today's market. Thank you, Dave Katona. Clive Pearson, love to get your POV, your two cents, or whatever you got in your wallet right now uh, on what we've been talking about. Clive, join us. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there, and, and it depends, I guess, on what exactly each company is doing and, and what their needs are, right? So from my perspective, if I look at a, a specific case where all the data is out there, I'm trying to build a predictive model, I don't know which attributes are going to drive it, right? So ideally, we're getting everything that's possible. From the analytical perspective, we're defining the attributes, but we need all of the data first. And that iteration first gets you to the attributes that really drive the model from that perspective. So it's a hard thing to say what the business is looking for to define the attributes that we need to drive the right models. You know, if you have a a case with some of the sports teams that we work with, you know, the objective is to fill the stands first, get every seat sold. Mm -hmm. Then the next is to increase the spend of each fan and the analytics around that are different than selling a seat. It's getting the right person in, into the stand. It's upselling the, the person that's there. It's marketing and, and targeting the, the customer based on profile that they have within the database, which is only based on the data that's being collected. So the touch points have to increase. The mobile apps that they're using um, ends up feeding it. Um, the merchandise that they purchase at the games feeds it. And ultimately, they're then going to target the, the most profitable fans for, for, the, for the sports team perspective from a from an oil rig perspective, these sensors are collecting all sorts of data every millisecond, basically. All of those attributes need to come in to see if the, the models are going to predict failure. So we're looking at prior failures. So we need all the data that was collected historically to see if the data would predict that failure that happened and then model it against the, the new data coming in. So it's, it's a tough balance between both, right? But ultimately, the question is, what is that need that we're trying to to solve, and then what data do we need to basically drive to that conclusion? So I think that that's kind of the, the balance between both is like you need to really absorb all the data to figure out which data elements and which attributes of the data mm-hmm. are really going to let you make that prediction. So I think that that's probably the bigger thing for us is really 
not limiting it because of, of size, but really limiting it because the elements really do drive that um, predictive analysis for us. As the bard said, I, there's the rub. And let's get, take this back. Let's bounce back to Satish at Sensify. Satish, you started this topic for us. So you want to wrap it up? Any further thoughts on what Clive and Dave added? Yeah, Dave uh, hit it on the head by saying the velocity is important and uh, figuring out what a business needs. And uh, you know, Clive's uh, statement is also true to the point that we need to know what we need. And based on that, uh, of course, Clive needs everything which he, which would help him create uh, the analytics. But can we get everything is a question. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And I'm looking at the clock. We have about 11 minutes left before we move into our crystal ball predictions. Ran plenty of time in Radio Land. So, Dave Catone, I'm looking at your notes, and there's a word I don't think we've mentioned yet in our conversation. It popped up in your notes as well as in uh, one of our other guests. I'll find it. But Dave says, the mobile world has already changed the business landscape. We know that. We have now the challenge to bridge the enterprise world and deepen applicability of mobile mobility in new ways. Dave, help me make sense out of all this. What are we talking about? Yes, and, and I, I think uh, this will be an interesting discussion because I, there are a couple things that have already happened that, that we're, I, I think uh, we're aware of. One is, you know, uh, everyone in business has has that smartphone in their hand. Uh, we've taken, uh, certainly from an SAP perspective, um, we've taken and, you know, uh, we've announced this this year that we have a partnership with Apple um, uh, to develop and have some SAP capabilities available uh, on on the iPhone. We have partners that have uh, mobility apps available on that iPhone. Our customers want to have mobility. However, this gets down to the fact that mobility is a known entity. Now it gets down to, at the end of the day, what is the value of that and how do we take advantage of that capability and applying that in, uh, mobile capability in new ways. And from certainly from a, a Sensify perspective, they, their business has some interesting uh, challenges that are completely different than a, than a Qualex perspective because you have end users and then you have actually people moving things. And there are some real challenges in meeting the needs of those end users aligned with what I call business process enablement. And then how do we take advantage of that technology? And we talk about things like, you know, big data, platform, predictive analytics. But at the end of the day, you've got a human holding a device in their hand, and how do I make the most efficient use of that mobile world in order to improve those business processes? And there's a challenge out there because people have leapt on this trend, and I've seen uh, some innovations that, okay, so I can push a button and get something done, but what? once again, what's the value? And... Love to hear from everybody, and this this is a hearty debate in some cases of how do we really take advantage of mobility. Thank you, Dave. Good opener. And Clive Pearson, let's circle around to you at Qualex. What are your thoughts, please, Clive? Yeah, from an operational perspective, I just I just think that 
mobility is enhanced or, or freed us from our desk, right? So it's, it's given us the ability to be more productive pretty much anywhere, and, and that can be unfortunate, right? But I will go back to an incident I had when the iPhone first came out, and I can remember going to the Apple store in Miami and saying, I got this beautiful phone, now I need to print. How can I print? And the person at the store said, well, that's crazy. It's a phone. Why would you ever want to print from your phone? And I said, you got to be kidding me, right? So it was the lack of that that thought process, okay, something as fundamental as, as printing from something that you're looking at was, was obvious to me and having been in technology and, and dealt with printer drivers and whatnot, I certainly knew it was, was capable and doable, but was surprised at that response from from the clerk at the store. But the reality is just that, right? It's recognizing what it is that, that you can do to enable yourselves to be able to do it by your mobile device. And that's really a substitute for what from, from your computer at your desk. So now you have mobility, basically. But from, from a Qualix perspective, we look at everything we're doing and the touch points we have. If it's a matter of, you know, pushing a notification to, to a casino host that somebody's on property now because they checked in. You know, those are all things that, that help facilitate that client interaction for the customer, right? So it makes the customer experience a lot better. That's just from a, from a casino perspective. But you have it in every aspect of, of, um, of work, even for people entering in their time and expenses and things like that, all these mobile apps mm-hmm. that facilitate that. It makes us more productive. So that, that the end goal is to look at what evolution can that, or revolution has already taken place or what evolution is going to continue now to make, make things more productive for people, right? I think... I think it's only limited by imagination and by somebody Absolutely. sitting down and make, making and the, it happen, and the, right? Yeah, and the lack of imagination from the Apple clerk who said that, why would you want to print from your phone? Maybe? But <laughs> that, that's, that's where the sense of it came for me was like the first exposure from, from the mobile phone, from the Apple, actually from the iPhone. Right. I think it was a, a, not only lack of imagination, Clyde, but perhaps a lack of vision and certainly not sharing mm-hmm. the vision of Steve Jobs. And the vision was whatever right. it is, we'll make it happen. It's it's huge. It's it's going yeah. to happen with just a question of sitting down and coding it or moving things around so that anything is possible. And today we have anything is possible. Thank you, Clive. Great insights. And I appreciate the story. Satish, thoughts about this mo- this thing we're calling mobility and enterprises and processes and business models. What's your POV, please? So the iPhone that I have today is probably a thousand times more powerful than the first personal computer I got uh, 20 years ago. So we have a lot of processing power that is available to the end user. And uh, yes, enterprises can have to take uh, a lot of advantage from this processing power as well as the capability to create small focus apps and make them more efficiently uh, use the uh, enterprise software to the small work that they would be doing or small tasks they've been assigned to do. So for example, maybe approving a purchase order or approving a purchase request in terms of, let us say, inventory management uh, would be an easier chore if uh, I get an alert on on my iPhone and I'm traveling somewhere or maybe yes, uh, any kind of smartphone. So all the enterprises and uh, these uh, vendors who provide software to run an enterprise have to think about uh, getting on the mobility bandwagon. Not that they haven't, but uh, you know they should figure out a way to expand uh, their offering to the mobile world. From Sensify perspective, yes, we have uh, to uh, read a lot of sensors and uh, 
the good news is there are a couple of vendors who actually come out with, say, for example, RFID readers that plug into an iPhone. Uh, some of the Android phones already have uh, NFC as well as UHF readers built into them, which makes the worker or the field worker more productive or the warehouse worker more productive and get data faster from the point of action directly to to the backbone of the enterprise and making it more, uh, you know, bringing them a better rate of return. So going back to that. So, yeah, I think uh, mobility is the way to go, and uh, it is bridging the gap uh, between the enterprise and uh, the uh, last mile for the, for the user. Thank you very much. Dave, this was your topic. I have just a couple minutes till predictions. Any, anything you'd like to add? No, well, this also gets down to the definition of mobility, I think, is changing as well, um, where it's not just about the smartphone. And I look at uh, Sensify, for example, and uh, everything from smart vehicles and telematics uh, and the fact that uh, mobility and the world of the smartphone is changing, the, def- the definition of mobility is changing itself where we're now looking at, at, at the world where uh, the actual smartphone may actually go away as we know it as well, where now it, it's literally going to be a, a mobile world in such a way that it's going to be in your vehicle. It's going to be you know, attached literally to your clothing. Um, and you look at things like Fitbit, for example, um, that there are so many different ways to actually have a mobile device um, and have mobility. I know that from a, a Sensify perspective, you see mobility come in many different forms. We talk about RFID um, and mobile logistics, that there are many different ways when you, when you talk about mobility. Um, it's transforming as a definition in business as we speak. Um, and that's one of the things that's going to be starting to really take shape, I think, over the next couple of years. Uh, it has already in some specific industries, but we're going to see a, a rapid transformation, I think, in the way that we define uh, mobile itself. Very interesting, very provocative, Dave. I'm thinking about the part of the parts of the world that are thrilled to have a mobile phone, whatever it is, iPhone, yeah. smartphone, uh, Android, and they're thinking, wow, I can actually send messages to people. I can sit anywhere with no wires and, and this light bulb is going off of connectivity and connectedness and being part of something bigger. And now you're saying that it might, it might even go away, but in many, many vehicles, I know there's already a, a presence of connectedness that doesn't require the phone. It's changing so fast. Dave, would you say in your lifetime, I, I don't know your age, I know mine obviously, but would you say that the the pace of technological innovation is exponentially faster now that we're here at this point in time on the verge of 2017, that it's happening so fast if you blink you're going to miss something new? Any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I literally, uh, you know, I grew up in Silicon Valley and Moore's Law was always uh, talked about. Uh, from a, a semiconductor perspective, and you can see that uh, you know being uh, you know, literally you know applied from a from a broad brush perspective in in technology innovation uh, today, where you're seeing more and more uh, transformational uh, technologies being introduced uh, faster and faster in the market. And it certainly I, I is. Can see Got to keep up with it. Yes, exactly. 
uh, literally you're, you're, every, every time you, you look at, you know, every quarter, every month, you, you see uh, something new and innovative and uh, what I call potentially disruptive to the marketplace being introduced. And disruptive is a good word in that context. And that's why Dave Katona and Christina and Maju, I'm so happy to have the Startup Focus with Game Changers back in our roster of radio shows because we need to be telling our listeners around the world what is happening and, and the brain power of startups and serial entrepreneurs and all of the things they are. I used the word Clive with you a minute ago. It wasn't just imagining. It was visioning. What's the vision? What do we need? What, what would be, what would make everything better? On that optimistic note, I'm going to circle back to Mr. Clive Pearson at Qualex Corporation. And Clive, I can give you 60 seconds for your prediction. So why don't you look into that crystal ball and let's look at the year 2020, which is just about three years and a couple weeks away or anything past that. What do you think will change in terms of mobility and sensors and redefining enterprise software and business models and leveraging the power of the big brain, all that good stuff. So, Clive, prediction, 60 seconds, tell me. Well, it, I will, but, but let me switch it to, to a prediction on elections for you that's not related to a winner or a loser. But Thank the process, you. Right? So okay. the process being electronic voting. So, you know, what, what we really need is electronic voting. Uh, there's no reason that we shouldn't be there in four years, and hopefully we will, and that will enable more of the population to vote for whatever reason, those who choose not to. But uh, I guess making it easier for everybody through electronic voting with the technology we have today, certainly something feasible for four years in the future. Very interesting. Unless you saw last night's episode of the drama called Scorpion, where a foreign government had hacked into the electronic future voting of the U.S. and was sucking votes by the millions out into well, their own uh, server because they wanted to change a trade route. But I digress. Yes, I watched it well, before midnight. I, and, I did not see, <laughs> and I did not see that episode. <laughs> Talk about envisioning imagination. Stop. So quickly, what's your, what's your, you want to give me a real prediction besides electronic voting? I mean, another real prediction prediction, Clive? Well, I think, I think you're going to see, and this is related to big data in the sense of volumes, I think you're going to see China's economy become the, the number one economy in the, in the world, but that's going to also drive from the perspective of analytics because of their volume of population and the analytics that can come out of that. Some amazing healthcare um, advances, I believe, hopefully cures for cancer um, will become, become a reality within that period of time, but I think like we talked about Moore's Law and, and how things are rapidly moving, I think that that is one thing that just continues to uh, impress me is the, the medical advances that we're getting out of it. And hopefully that's one that, that will actually be uh, uh, extremely positive for the human race, shall we say. Long overdue, my friend. Long yeah. overdue. We, we need, that's an area where we, we need positive thinking, visioning, and we need some action. That re- has better results. Thank you, Clive Pearson. Satish Gajaraju, I am ready for your predictions. I can give you a whole 60 seconds, too, so go ahead. So with the proliferation of uh, IoT offerings uh, within three years, I believe that we will solve the first and last mile challenge and create a value for logistics players. Basically, first and last mile is a term used in supply chain and transportation. 
to describe the movement of people and goods from or to a transportation hub to their final destination. So, for example, an office worker, first mile is getting from his home to a bus station. So, this IoT solution to a consumer, I think, will synchronize public transit schedule, passenger occupancy, know how many passengers need a ride and direct that many taxis or driverless cars towards the train station at the right time. So, in essence, demand, capacity, and scheduling all managed effectively with IoT three years from now using a smartphone for the consumer. That's my prediction. Thank you. I like that a lot. Yes, I do. Okay, Dave Catone, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. I know you're ready. Go ahead, Dave. Sure, Bonnie. And uh, this really gets down to uh, what I call harmonization uh, of uh, really each one of the components uh, really that we've talked about today, uh, end-to-end of big data, predictive, mobility coming together, really uh, what uh, both uh, Clive and Satish had talked about and being able to have that, what I call that seamless uh, from a, from human to event uh, experience being uh, not only what I call predictive, but proactive in mm. knowing what it is you need, when you need it, and where you need it at any time. And that could reach into healthcare to the Christmas gift that your mom really wants this year. <laughs> so the predictive that you don't needs have to, to think about ahead, that. The Dave, we the just predictive want to predict needs to, what Bonnie wants. Right. Could, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I want, but I, the predictive comes for those of us who celebrate Hanukkah. We have to think of eight gifts there for eight go. different nights, and that's what we need. What does mom and what there do the kids r- really need? So, Clive Pearson, I predict that you'll probably come back and talk to us next year on a future episode of Startup Focus with Game Changers. Satish Kajaraju, the same with you. Dave Katona's not going anywhere, so I know he'll be back. And a shout-out again to Christina Sosa. Christina, you knocked it out of the park again. Baseball metaphor implied. And and Maju Banzal, thank you for having faith in us and renewing the series for next year. But we've got several more weeks coming up of great conversation. So here we go. I want to say a shout-out to everybody, including Michael, our engineer at the Business Channel, and a shout-out to Jeff Spinard, President and CEO of World Talk Radio. I met Jeff at Ad Tech at the Javits Center in New York last week, and it was a pleasure to finally put the face to the voice in the powerhouse. So, Jeff, thank you. And here's my call to action in case anybody's wondering. Let's do it. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and have a game changer today. Everybody, be a game changer today. Have a great one. Vote. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.